Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And I'm AJ Casada. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you would like to join a community of like-minded agency owners and scale your business while doing so, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash call to explore options on how we can help you scale your agency. What's good, agency owners? We have a really cool conversation. Someone else who's in the world that I historically come from, the world of management consulting, management training. We have Dave Klein, the founder of Management Accelerator. And he's got a really cool Twitter following. That's how we got connected. But Dave, for everyone that doesn't know you or doesn't know Management Accelerator, who's Dave? And what's Management Accelerator? I'd say the quick version is I've managed teams for 25 years. So... PwC, Moody's, Bridgewater, um, the world's largest hedge fund. And about two years ago, my wife and I kind of stepped out of the corporate world and said, like, I think that we have a unique perspective to offer people in terms of managing teams more effectively. We were kind of haunted by this number of 60%. 60% of managers fail in 18 months. And it's true of entry level, mid-level, C-level. It played out Harvard, McKinsey, Corn Fair, like tons of studies. And it's roughly in that same ballpark every time. And we were blessed to work at six pretty cool companies. Like she worked at Goldman Sachs, Google, Compass, and also had been lucky to have good leaders. And so we thought, well, if it worked in the three places I worked and worked in the three places she worked, could we create a program and sort of gift that to managers who are struggling to get on top of all their work, who are burning out, who are failing at the 60% rate? I love that. My background's with Amazon. So like I went there, I went there with that intention kind of at first. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I knew going into it, like most people just through the world of podcasting years ago, like 10 years ago now, more than that, managers suck, right? If you can't manage, you can't grow a business. And that's why I went to Amazon. And even in Amazon, you have bad managers. My first manager ever was like horrible. I hated my life. But fortunately, they have more good than bad. And I learned that. And when I started my entrepreneurial career, it started off really similar to you. I was like, I'm just going to go teach people kind of the management model, but it's evolved. So I'm curious. I kind of want to know what it's like running your type of business because I just run a different type of business. Mine's consultative, ongoing. It's evolved from just management and operations to really growth partnership. We kind of focus on a lot of different things now. From a offerings perspective, so the listener can understand because we spoke about this, you have two different offerings, right? You got the course and then you got more consultative approach. What are those two different things that you sell as a service or product? And then I'll just have some questions about what it's like actually running it as an entrepreneur. Why don't I give you the sort of the two-year history quickly? And that will probably give you plenty of surface area to, to dive in. So when I left Bridgewater, we actually bought a different business. It was an online education review site. And the thesis was portfolio of digital businesses. And then I'll go teach at one of the local universities. About six weeks after we bought that business, Google moved Main Street on me and my traffic got cut in half as they want to do. And, um, in a moment of like, oh my God, we got to diversify. I was like, let's get into social media. And I was like, oh, let's be clever. I will take a course, cohort-based program on Maven so I can start to review those types of courses and get content for this business that, you know, turn it all around. Long story short, I like started writing the reader's attention was around leadership and management. And that led to getting to know Goggin and Wes at Maven. And they were like, why would you teach 
at a university nearby and like, you know, 10 or 20 students a couple times a year, why wouldn't you just teach on Maven and like a couple billion people, you know, your classroom, the classroom is limitless. And we sort of like smiled and said, well, I guess if we could get, you know, eight or 10 people to subsidize creating the curriculum, I'd have a better pitch to the universities. And so uh, I wrote a thread on delegation, sent it out on Twitter. I had like 3000 followers at the time, uh, went to bed and woke up and it had gone viral in a funny way. And our our pre-launched non-existent program had 150 people on the wait list. And so we were like, maybe this is a, maybe we hit a nerve. Um, Whoa, that's, right? that's, I love that. And, and it had a, as, a, as a starter. Well, we had a 10 question survey. So these were people who actually finished all 10. Like we, we created huge friction because we wanted to learn. All those people did 10 questions. And it was long, long story short, we ran it in March. So it's a publicly available cohort course. We started with an application process, but we've now just, we sort of use price as the filter where we have one running right now. We've got 50 leaders from probably 45 different companies, anywhere from a couple of years experience to probably 10 plus, I have three or four CEOs in there, believe it or not. And that's offering one. Offering two is a company started to show up and say, well, we don't want to do a public court. Can you bring it in house? And that is probably the part of our offering that continues to evolve you know, we started two years ago, we were showing a talent end of the pandemic. So everyone wanted to do remote. Now people are like, well, could you finish in person? Can you just do it in person instead of a month long for a few hours a day? Can we do it like in two days in a sprint? But we basically the, the headline is we also do it privately at companies. I love that. The power of Twitter, right? The power of Twitter. It's what's blown up my business too, right? Like low tens of thousands of dollars a month, right? to a multi-million dollar business and really exclusively as a result of Twitter. So you're saying two years ago, you had 3,000 followers and now you have 90 something thousand. And that happened in 24 months? Wow, it, honestly, it happened in 12. For whatever reason, Twitter has like, think highly of what Elon is trying to do, but literally my growth stopped when it all started becoming vitriol and clickbait. So I went from three to 90, like 90 in 12 months and I basically have gone up 2,000 in the last year. So that's why I put a lot of my attention into the newsletter and into LinkedIn from there. I agree with that. My yeah, growing on Twitter has struggled. So, okay, I got, I really love this conversation just because it's it's something in the same world that, as me, right? But very different in approach and who you're working with. Let me ask you this. So we talked, you have three cohorts a year, you said, correct? And every cohort, you know, you're selling out, they're full, every cohort's full. How are you presently driving people to a full cohort three times a year? And it's super successful. Like what's the actual marketing and sales strategy that allows you to do that? It's pretty straightforward, honestly. The very original one two years ago, it was, um, we looked at the data and it was 100% Twitter, just like you described. And then over the last two years, it's now actually, we're almost to our goal of having more than half be word of mouth, but we're like mid forties percent word of mouth, about 20% LinkedIn, 20% our newsletter and the rest Twitter or Maven actually has a platform that they drive some traffic to. Mostly lots of social media, to sort of build the trust and presence. There's some nurturing into our um, newsletter. And then from there, we have an email sequence that's pretty, you know, we, we, it's like seven well-tested emails at this point. And I would say the only other two things we add into that are speaking. So I, I will do some combination of public speaking and like big groups or podcasts. They tend to sort of create awareness and get people into the funnel. And then we will offer like 15 minute one-on-ones with people because inside of that cohort, we do coaching. And so part of the thing is sort of going from potentially a reasonable person on social media to like a human you have talked to who you're getting to like rent as a coach for a month is, is a, um, 
we usually have a 90 plus percent close rate on anyone who does the 15 minute call. One of the hardest things as an agency owner is building a team that can actually execute without needing you, can deliver results that you could trust to learn things fast and deliver every single time. The reality though, most of us can't afford top tier talent. And even those of us who can afford top tier talent doesn't know how to get the best talent to work for us. That's why I built the eight figure funnel. I've been able to hire over six eight figure COOs and convince them to come work for me to help my clients grow. Guys that have already been there and done that, that have run 20, 30, 50, 80 million dollar a year companies working for someone who's not even 30 years old. I put this all into a simple ebook so you can do exactly the same thing. If you want access to this ebook, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash value and grab one of my best pieces of free content that I've ever released today. Hey there, this is Jordan Ross, your host of How to Scale an Agency, and thank you so much for listening. If this podcast has given you any value, if you listen to it weekly or you're just tuning in on a blue moon, please like and subscribe and give us a good review. Reviews are the easiest way that we can help other agency owners expand their information, their knowledge, and grow their companies, which is why we do this. We do this to help each and every one of you make business growth simpler. So... Like I've said, if you've received value, we do not promote our podcasts any other way except through word of mouth. We don't have sponsors because we want to keep this as high level for you as possible. If you could return just a little bit of a thank you back to us, we would so greatly appreciate it. Now, let's get back to the show. I love that. It's super unique because like this is something that I could have been like if, you know, the serendipities of life, like I could have very much ended up down this rabbit hole because when I was leaving Amazon, I was like, I just want to build a business. Like I want to help people. I want to really bring the Amazonian approach. And a big part of what we teach to our clients is this as well from a philosophical approach. But, you know, just in the, the way of life, you know, it all evolves a little bit differently. When you started doing in person, what type of companies are coming to you for, you know, the actual, whether it's virtual or in-person management training, and what's the value prop that you're really selling them on? It's been a pretty big range. I would say probably the smallest company we've done in person for is roughly a hundred people, but they were very rapidly scaling. And so they had a whole bunch of people who woke up one day and were now managing. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we did a, a division of the largest cable company in the US. So 200,000 people, we did a, a program with 40 of the leaders of a 900 person group. Um, so it's pretty rangy. I think mostly the What's interestingly universal about both is especially in hybrid and remote environments, like people don't come together as often as they used to. So one of it was like, hey, we're going to bring people together to like recreate that connection, that human sort of like relationship, that trust that we have with the teams. And then what we're really giving them is just a an operating system that could be common, right? A common language, a common set of t approaches, um, sort of like a shared experience. And I think that when you're when you're choosing the in-person option, that's mostly what you're buying. It's something we've done too. It's really just defining terms, defining methodologies and like a philosophical approach to management. What's the purpose? How do you execute that? How does it actually play through? 
It was like the other thing Jordan I see is like this idea of like space and stimulus. Like everyone's going 100 miles an hour all the time. And so it honestly doesn't even have to be us, but you sort of carve out two days. And then I feel like mostly our job is to like give them a different set of stimulus, right? Give them different ideas that for, force them to sort of reconcile and stretch their thinking. And so that often is plenty, right? It's like they just don't get that time in the in their day-to-day to do those types of things. So it's almost like forced reflection time as a group. Yeah. I think uh, I've been engaged with, similar to you, right? Through my business, a company will say, hey, do you need management consulting? Can you? And yes, to go back and figure out what that looks like now. But I always find for someone who asks me about it and they say, well, what's the value prop? It for whatever reason, I find people, there's a disconnect for like executives that are trying to allocate budget to it. When it's clear, right? Like it's going to execute your operational plan more consistently. You're going to retain your team members and ultimately that just drives bottom line. What's your like value prop or positioning from a sales perspective as to why it makes sense and why companies should consider investing in something like this? Yeah. It's funny when we, my wife and I will joke that Anytime we enter the company through the CEO, it's exceptionally easy. And I say this with love and affection as a person who used to be in HR. Anytime we enter through HR, it's actually really hard. And part of the reason is we get asked the questions from the HR side, which is like, well, can you prove the value you create? They know the answer because no one has ever proven it. So I'm like, I can ask your team the first question, which is like, did they enjoy it? And I can show you the data on that. I can ask the next question, which is like, if they take what they learned here and applied it, how much value do we create? And we ask that, like our number is 25X consistently. Then I can ask, I go to the next question, which is if you give me permission, I can come back and check on them and say like, did you apply it? Like what effect did it have, et cetera? But I can't go to the question you're really asking me, which is like, did you materially change the bottom line of the business? Because there's just so many things that take so long to play out. And there's so many other factors. Like if if the people who go through my program have higher retention rates on their team, is that because they went through the program or because you sent me your best leaders? You know, Is it because they're running divisions that are harder to get jobs in so people aren't leaving? Or is it because I gave them better ways to coach and develop? Like, We don't really know. And the thing is, like, I have yet to have someone when I sort of say that, show me examples of other people who have proven it when they're not in a spot where you are, which is like, hey, we come in, we consult on growth. And the business either grew faster or it didn't. Like, okay, it's much more tangible for management and leadership. It's just harder. And so the- And that's exactly why I changed it too. Yeah. Because that was the reason. It was like, we're doing our job, but it's not always clear to articulate ROI. Yep. And obviously in my business, right? Like we're a consultancy, we're a growth partner where we used to just be consultancy. It's so much easier to keep your clients around if you could articulate ROI. Right. So we, we evolved for that exact reason. So the way that we get around it for what it's worth is, um, we basically make three promises to all of our leaders. And the very first one is like, we will break through your biggest management challenge. And then we will frame that up by like some examples of management challenges. Like if you are trying to hire a software developer in the U S even entry level, it might be like a low six figure job. You usually are working with recruiting agencies. It's going to cost you like 25 to 30 grand. It's open for 85 days. So you have like non-productivity for 85 days. As the leader, it's 25% of your time to do the recruiting, interviewing, references, all that jazz. So it's like a six-figure problem, right? Like one vacant software job is a six-figure problem. So if I can take one of your B players and help you coach them to an A player, if I can teach you how to recruit twice as fast or twice as effectively, 
if someone who is going to leave now because you're more engaged and intentional and a better coach stays, I pay for myself. Like, and I just sort of like reset the bar there. But then I look at the leaders and I'm like, okay, you give me 20 people. If each one of them go through one of those, we agree that this thing easily pays for itself in like orders of magnitude. And they're like, yes. I'm like, great. That I don't need to like deal with this, like, because I don't know another way to do it. I'm very open. I will say this to everyone I work with. Like, if you want to give me all the access and the data to like run a control test of like a set of leaders and not a set of leaders, and we want to agree on the criteria, like, I'd love to do one. I would even take a performance, I would, we would do a performance fee, like, because I believe in it and I have enough data to like be able to put our reputation on the line. But most people would rather just pay us the fee. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Now, it's apparent. I think what you teach, what I teach, right? Management, here's how I articulate it. Management is responsible for three things. Execute your operational plan, improve your talent, and retain your talent. In my opinion, those are my three that I talk about. And all three of those correlate to top or bottom line, period, right? So if you're having an effective talent, you could correlate it to churn and voluntary turnover, you could correlate to executing the operation plan, whether that's a revenue-related function or not, like it, it all touches it. So yeah, I just haven't found or met someone through the Twitterverse yet kind of doing what you're doing, which is why I'm so curious. You said you said Maven is the platform you guys use to teach. And you said at the beginning of this conversation, you got on there more organically, right? It's because there's some there's like Kajabi, like why are you on the platform you're on? We got on a Maven they very specifically are helping you create and deliver live cohort-based programs. So they have developed their their platform for marketing around that, their platform for hosting like the curriculum, the syllabus, the payments, et cetera. And they run, when you go through it, uh, at least when we did, I think they've now made this more recorded, but we would go through as a cohort, taking a cohort course on creating cohort courses. So I had like a group of 30 other creators in wildly different domains, going through the process together to build the course. Honestly, of all the things I got the most value from, it was as much the curriculum as watching them deliver their transformation and saying like, oh, how do we borrow those things? Like small things you wouldn't think of. Like when we we ask everybody who enrolls what their big meeting hype song is, what song would you listen to to get really hyped up for a big meeting you've got to lead? And they all give us that. And then when they come on to the class, like the eight times over the course of the month, we have someone's hype song going. Now, the reason is A, to create the personal connection that like would be a lot easier in person. But the other reason is like they're in boring meeting, boring meeting, boring meeting. Like they come in, it's all the same fumbling into the meeting. And also they come into this one and there's twos going and we're asking questions and it comes out hot and it comes out hot on purpose because like if I don't get your attention in two minutes, you're on your phone and you're ignoring me. And so it's like, like small things like that, like watching how they did that with us. We then turned around and did it um, with our crew. I love that. What a great story. I love your business model, right? Like it's such a, especially with the course, like the overhead's so minimal, as long as you understand how to run your marketing, it sounds like it's you and your wife, they're actually running it. So, you know, it's a really high profitability business and that's your foundation. And then, you know, to your point, you could do your in-person or virtual company. So like, I really love your business model. I think it's such a sound, solid business model. So let me ask you this. If anyone's listening, and I'm going to give them three options. They either want to go to the program and the course, they either want to go to the in-person, or they're like, I want to try to change my model. Because a lot of the people listening, they're running marketing agencies, but you're running a cohort-based program, and that's becoming more popular now too. So if someone wants to reach out for any of the three like 
the things you actually sell or ask you questions about Maven or your programs, where can they find you? Where can they reach out to you? Where can they get in touch? We are pretty responsive. I would say the three primary ways. The easiest way to get us, um, we have a newsletter. We hesitate to call it a newsletter because newsletters sound optional. We call it the management playbook. It's on Beehive. So mgmt.beehive.com. If people write to us with questions, we respond. There's not like an army of EAs behind us. It's my wife or I looking at that inbox. We will respond to that. We're also responsive to DMs on both Twitter, which is DeclineII, and as well as LinkedIn, which is David Klein. So any of those three are easy ways to get us. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to keep in touch on the Twitterverse. And thank you for everyone listening. One of my one of my favorite conversations in the like year today. Actually, my favorite conversation year today, and here's why. It's different. It's a different business model. It's a different approach. And it's also my favorite thing. Like I got into my career wanting to do what you and I do, but more specifically what you do. And it's just evolved. So it's kind of like a homage to kind of my roots. So thank you so much, Dave. It was great talking to you. Sure. Thanks for having me. Maybe we'll have to sneak back on when we launch our next product next month. Hey, sneak back on. You're more than welcome. All right, man. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of How to Scale an Agency. It would mean the world if you could like, subscribe, and comment on this podcast so more people can find it organically or share it with a friend. If you're looking to scale your agency and you need help, you're looking for a true partner, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash call. My business has been built on becoming fiduciaries for other companies. We are going to be your partner where I will bring in my eight-figure talent to help you grow working side by side. If you need help with that, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash call or like, share, subscribe to the pod. Thank you so much. I'll catch you on the next episode.